The FinTech 5 podcast is sponsored by NTT Data Services. NTT Data Services, a global business and IT innovator, partners with clients to navigate and simplify the modern complexities of business and technology, delivering the insights, solutions, and outcomes that matter most. Basically, they get stuff done. Learn more at nttdataservices.com. Steve Jobs once said, we're here to put a dent in the universe. Well, FinTech has certainly put a dent in the financial services industry over the past few years. This podcast series focuses on the story of those individuals who took Jobs' advice, the dent makers, if you will. This is the FinTech 5. On this episode of the FinTech 5, I'm with the Chief of Staff for IBM Watson Financial Services Platform, and please notice I haven't said her name yet. Oh, God. Here we go. You ready? This is Miss Topper. Did you like that? Uh <laughs> oh, perfect. I skipped the first name. Devika. Devika. It's like my bank calling me. It's Devika. Dang it. Devika. Is that better? Devika. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go with it. So she said it's perfect. So we're just going to go with that. Um, all right. So chief of staff for IBM Watson. That sounds really cool. And I know it's on the financial services side. Um, That's right. You're in New York, right? I am. I'm based out of our Watson headquarters in Astrophase or Silicon Alley, as they like to call it. And, and when, so before that, weren't you, if I read some of the um, stuff right, you were doing the UK and Ireland side of this? I was. I was. Um, so I've been in the space for about two years now, kind of helping to develop and advocate the market for Watson and more broadly AI in financial services. So starting off in, in London, which is where I spent the bulk of my time. And then, then I moved to New York in January of this year. I mean, that's, you know, that's not a, if there's two cities that are somewhat alike, I think London, New York, they kind of have the same vibe to me a little bit. Always on, you know? Always on. But New York is on in a, in a different way altogether. Oh, yeah. Maybe not so much, actually, interestingly, maybe not so much in the fintech side of things. I think London is quite active because uh, it's a very intimate ecosystem um, out there. And whereas I think in New York, it's a bit, it's a bit more spread out. Um, so I'm finding my way here gradually. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, if you're on Canary Wharf in London, you're in fintech. <laughs> it's yeah. real simple, right? Um, yep. Yeah, in, in New York, you know, it's a bit spread. That's true. The the uh, tech hubs are kind of spread out across the city. All right, so let's hone in a little bit on your work on the Watson teams. Um, here's a question I've been dying to ask every single, per- single person that works <laughs> at IBM when it comes to Watson. What in God's name is cognitive banking? <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> so, so I think so... Um, we at, at IBM, we refer to kind of, so Watson is IBM's AI technology. I think more broadly, we refer to AI at IBM as cognitive computing, because that's trying to combine, you know, AI or understanding, reasoning and learning on not just unstructured data, but even structured data. So combining advanced analytics, machine learning and different types of AI. So, so therefore, since we took a lens of cognitive computing, we're like, okay, so what does the future of a bank look like? So there, hence the term cognitive banking, where you're kind of, you know, utilizing all these, all these different sources of data, structured, unstructured, text, audio, video, image, etc., and trying to gauge insights for better decision making across the bank front, middle, and back office. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of us refer to Watson in the wrong way because we're not talking one single system here, right? No, yeah, and and that's I think some of the marketing might might have a play yeah. or might have a hand in that. 
But I think what we've done, it started off as one single system when we played Jeopardy back in 2011. But since then, it's been, it's evolved into a set of APIs, which are all available on the IBM cloud. Um, and they do different aspects of uh, natural language processing, uh, such as, you know, uh, text-to-speech, speech-to-text, conversation, uh, vision, um, and, and different aspects like that, tone, emotion. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Jeopardy side. So I, I think most of the audience that listens to the show does grasp the difference between a you know narrow AI and and then a much more broader function like what where you're trying to evolve now. At least I hope that absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and we are. I mean, we're using a lot more machine learning in some of the new products that we're working on in Watson Financial Services. So it's going a little beyond like uh, pure natural language processing. So without naming a client, can you talk about some of the successes that you're seeing? Because I think we are definitely in a hype cycle, let's be blunt, when it, when it comes to AI, as we are in production, yeah. as we are in everything else, massive hype cycle for yeah. And what tends to happen in our industry or across any industry is we hype this up and then we don't see any immediacy. You know, the solutions aren't there next day and then we grow impatient. So what kind of successes have you seen? What are some examples without naming clients? Yeah, I mean, I'll preface that with the fact that, you know, it's, it's an, it's, it happens across industry, not just in the financial services um, space. I mean, when, when I started out in the group, um, and when we literally just launched the group in 2015, the, the space of AI and financial services barely existed. And, and within just this period, I mean, you can, you can tell by how fluidly the words AI and bots are thrown into conversation these days. And everyone assumes that they know what they're saying. And, and, and maybe a lot of them, a lot of them do. But yes, it's, it's the whole thing of authenticity or not authenticity. Um, but we're uh, a large part of success, I think, would be defined as joint success. So, is it, so something that's viewed as success from our side, but also what's viewed as success from a client side. Because or most of them would be in the enterprise AI world for something to be successful. I mean, the client also needs to be able to make it work within their systems. Yeah, I'm glad you're talking about the the use of image and and you know the machine learning side of this. Um, yeah, there was a, a tweet today, and I wish I could remember who actually put it out there because I give him credit. But was talking about you know machine learning and, and deep data, and they said you would not believe the amount of human effort that's still going in. Yeah, on that side, can you comment a little bit about that? I mean, absolutely, because much of what you, I mean, much of these projects or engagements, I mean, I think a lot of the banks and other financial institutions are great at wanting to stay ahead of the game by engaging in, you know, proof of concepts and, and, and pilots and, and, and putting teams that are researching into some of the latest innovations. But when it gets down to actually, let's say, putting stuff into production, you realize that a lot of the challenge is getting access to the data and what's the quality of that data that's sitting behind the firewall and how do you access data outside the firewall and then how do you plug into core systems which is i mean which is going to be a challenge for some time for for most of the incumbents and that's what makes you realize that these are early days of this journey but and there's lots lots of ground that needs to be covered but i think there are there have been early successes even in this proof of concept proofs of concepts to to kind of tell you that there's something out there if you can, for example, reduce um, the level of false positives for anti-money laundering from like, you know, currently it's probably at a 98% to by a significant margin. Or can you reduce the cost of, um, you know, the customer service in the contact center by using, an, by using a chatbot? 
So I'm going to read a quote because I always do a little bit, you know, some research for God's sake. Yeah. So I'm read a <laughs> quote that I read from you. I think it was an interview in Fusion Wire or something like that. And you said, think of AI as a coach or an advisor or a concierge to the human expert, whatever yep. his or her domain might be. So somewhere Brett King is clapping because you basically said augmenting us. Can you expand a little bit on what you meant by that? So I think the the way at which, um, at least in at IBM and, and since we focus on enterprise, the way in which we kind of work with Watson is that how can you make the lives of other experts within organizations better? So how can you help them with better decision making? Um, and in that same lens, it's all about supervised learning. So if you're using if you're using Watson even in a concierge scenario for a, for a contact center or a, or a, you know or a virtual agent, it's um, it's about let let Watson kind of handle that level of conversation that can be that's kind of a waste of a time for a human because you're not you're not really focusing. Uh, focusing our time to solve the best problems and then divert those conversations to 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 the human agent uh, which can which can actually provide a deeper level of insight and a deeper level of cognitive capability for us so and and I, I think I took a trivial example but we're trying to apply that same kind of um, analogy to the healthcare space uh, freeing up time for the oncologist or even in the rec tech space more recently, you know, freeing up time for the compliance uh, person to focus on, let's say, making sense of all that regulation rather than reading all that regulation. So you're a Yale grad, right? Does, does that help, there? though? I, oh, I don't know does. if that no, helps because sometimes it's esoteric to me. Maybe because I've been in for so long that it's, you know, it no, makes sense to me, but yeah. No, I think so. And, and again, I, you know, the, the audience for the show is a little bit different, right? Um, yeah. Than, than you know, your typical listeners. So they're, they're there and they're well aware of the hype. But I think, you know, a lot of us are aware of, you know, use cases, like you said, in healthcare, where the ability of an AI to sift through, you know, data results and, and um, do a diagnosis of cancer, for example, has a much yep. higher success rate than, say, yeah. you know, a human has. So, again, what, what, what you're doing as the doctor is, is taking a look at the results that came from the, the AI application and helping make decisions based around that. So again, you're augmenting the individuals and saving them time in that. So yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Absolutely. And, and then one, and, and in the enterprise world, you know, we treat data of our clients as their data. So then automatically that kind of yeah. limits the amount of content you're dealing with and adds the amount of, you know, effort that's required to get AI really working uh, for that system. Yeah, no, it makes, I, I think it's pretty clear. And you did a good job, by the way, because I, I kind of threw some, Harder questions at you <laughs> coming from the industry <laughs> standpoint because again we've hyped this up so absolutely. Much. So I mean, at least you're asking sensible questions like, "Oh, when do you think we're going to achieve singularity?" Okay, that's oh, sensible yeah. in, in in a very existential way, but yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. It's I, I think the challenge for <laughs> IBM, in my opinion, is yeah. anytime you're first in or one of the first, you know, folks in, and and you know the success you had against with Watson again, very narrow AI. But with Jeopardy, you know, um, you're first in the market. And so you're going to get judged different than, Absolutely. than everyone else. So I think that's yeah. a fair comment to make. All right. Question for you. I know you you went to Yale. You got your master's out of Yale. But prior to that, you went to St. Stephen's College, right? And that's in India, I think. I did. Yes, I grew up in India. Good. So that's that sets us up for rapid fire. Okay, here we go. Last minute. <laughs> wanted to make sure I got that right. So you ready? Three questions yep. real quick. Your favorite Shakespeare play is? 
Ooh, Merchant of Venice. Okay, because she was in the Shakespeare Society, everybody in college. So you know where the next one's going. Where's your favorite place to dance in New York? Oh, my God, that is a great one. Um, well, I recently started working for uh, getting involved with a nonprofit called STEM from Dance, which is trying to combine, help minority girls achieve, get into STEM careers by leading with, leading with the art form of dance. Oh, that's so, awesome. That is, that is fantastic. I know I interviewed someone else who um, they work in Harlem. They, they do ice skating. With girls in ah. Harlem, which is great, but I love the idea of getting them into STEM studies. She, she, yeah, she's she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she was part of the uh, when I say she, David was <laughs> part of the Western Choreography Society, by the way. And oh uh, yes, college. I'm a former dancer. That's uh, really? that's why. Yeah. Cool. What what style? <laughs> or what style? Uh, so started off with classical uh, Indian, and then moved on to actually Western jazz dancing. So I taught with a with a with a group in India. I didn't know that. Well, there, so I'm going to dump my third question. That's pretty cool. Well, good for you. So, so how active are you? Um, in, you know, still in the in the dance scene, if you will. So I transformed that when I realized that I don't really want to be performing uh, shows necessarily. And, and in India, that that really ends up being Bollywood. And I did one film back in like in the in the wee days, and I was like, I cannot do this for a career. So, um, so I've actually since then like transformed, shifted from dance to Pilates. So I trained to be a, a Pilates uh, instructor. Oh, God. All yeah. Right. So you're one of you're one of them. I'm 50, <laughs> and I, see, I was just on a call. I did another interview with Danielle Guzman from Mercer, who was great. And she was talking about doing yeah. yoga. And everyone keeps yeah. telling me to do yoga. Now, Pilates, by the way, I'm way over five minutes. Who cares? Pilates, <laughs> by the way, has about 10 years ago really took off in the NBA of all places. Um, Interesting. No, it really did because of you think of the pounding, you know, the, the physical aspect of the game took. There was a point guard, and I'll try to remember who it was, but he started doing Pilates, and you know his fellow teammates made fun of him. And then within about two years, it ran through the league. <laughs> Everybody was doing ah, Pilates, so go figure. Just a trend. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's very good for the core muscles. There you are. All right, so where's the best place uh, to learn more about what's happening with the IBM Watson team? Is there a website that's the best place to go? I would say IBM, I just click IBM Watson and you'll, you'll, you'll find it on the web. All the information's right there. Perfect answer. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Great to be on the show with you. 